0: Fourth of July, I, I suppose. Uh, if, if if that's your your jam for some reason or other, uh, I, I've found it in the last few years when there has been uh, a dog in my life, uh, increasingly difficult to get too excited about. Uh, just mm-hmm. because you know the the uh, the extent to which dogs get freaked out by fireworks is you know it's pretty heavy um uh, but managed to have a nice time uh you know with with some friends celebrating around the house i made some burgers and and it was you know it was a good time uh but we're also now living in this strange new world um a, a world where very soon the annual uh USC UCLA uh rivalry game in college football uh will will be a conference game in the Big 10
1: yeah i'm actually looking up right now uh i'm i'm just looking up so um Poly Pavilion is is uh you know this this like very vaunted um just just it's a site of UCLA basketball it's it's what you think of yes. when you when you you know, see that. it's like oh live from Poly Pavilion well it's it's interesting now because uh you know you're going to have a home game at Poly Pavilion um, and then you're going to have a an away game, uh, you know, so that these two teams can face off every every year in the conference. Um, and those Bruins are going to have to travel two thousand seven hundred and eighty four miles if they're going to take a bus um, to get to Rutgers uh, arena, which I have no idea what it is because they're in the same conference.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's very stupid. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you used a number. Uh, because I was talking about uh, the the travel headaches that <clears throat> conference realignment uh, in college sports are are, are causing, uh, and illustrated it by uh, sort of plotting out uh, the sort of the longest distances, uh, like the longest driving distance in some of the power conferences and in the sec as it stands right now it appears that the longest drive is from florida to uh, oklahoma which is oh, okay. like it's like 1200 miles
1: yeah i mean so this less is less than half this is part. Uh, this is part of a trend, and and I'm actually I'm in the midst of reading a bunch of Bill Bryson books right now, Ooh. and I I read I read one where he's traveling across the United Kingdom, and now I'm reading one where he's traveling across Australia. And goodness, you would not imagine how long it takes to to go places in Australia. But this <laughs> is kind of how this is kind of how it, it it feels. Like I'm used to how far it takes to get places in America. You drive six, eight hours all the time. Um, we, uh, you know, our ears perked up when uh, West Virginia joined the the Big 12 or whatever it is now. And you're like, wow, they're going to be going from Morgantown to uh, Norman, Oklahoma, and, and all the time, especially for basketball on a Tuesday night in in January. How stupid is that? But now... We're, we're working in basically, you know, Australian terms. We're, we're talking about, oh, you're like, uh, you know, Brisbane and and uh, Sydney are close. No, they're nine hours from each other. But, right. It's it's very silly to consider, you know, it was very
0: silly to consider Morgantown to like Lubbock, Texas. But now it's gotten even worse because with the new expansions that are, are slated to, to come into the Big 12 in the next few years – uh it is now plausible that that a team uh might have to make the thirty-five hour twenty three hundred mile trek from UCF in Orlando mm-hmm. to goddamn Provo, Utah to play BYU. <laughs> and, and and the thing
1: is 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 You gotta take astute- that whole
0: trip and all there is to drink when you get there is milk.
1: Yeah, well, before before 5 p.m after that they don't serve milk anymore so, right uh, um, but and and the thing too about this and I don't I don't want to jump to like what's what's bad because still you know what's happening is is important to describe too but you say okay well whatever people are gonna fly places. I'm sorry. Do you think the cross country teams of of UCF, the the Golden Knights, right, are going to travel to? I, I don't. I don't even know. Utah State is the. Uh, Utah State is the Aggies. BYU is the Cougs. Okay. Well, anyways, do you think the cross country teams are going to fly there? No. No. I, I, mean, I can assure you, they are not. What What are the What are the swim teams going to do? Even what are the soccer teams going to do? Like, like that's that's what. That's what is issue here. So like, what is happening? I think it's important to say what is happening. And I know we both read a Ray Ratto blog on, on Defector. But this, this is the the college football apparatus and the ones that are worthy of TV money as per ESPN and Fox saying we have control. Also, money is good also now uh you know our our labor is is no longer free so let's jump in the money pit as best we can
0: yeah yes
1: um, it is
0: it is a consolidation of power the the likes of which honestly this same stuff is happening all across the American economy like I I, I work i work in the news media it's certainly happening in my world too um Mm -hmm. but it's you know it the power five and really let's be honest it's not even the power five because uh the pac-12 is getting gutted uh losing its biggest anchor program in usc um and their biggest historic rival in UCLA, yeah. um, the Big Twelve has been gutted by the loss of uh, in the last you know ten years. It's three most important programs: Texas, Texas A and M, and Oklahoma, all to the yeah. SEC.
1: I'm I'm glad you did that too because you disrespected Nebraska in a really amazing way, and I think we should support that. Yes. <laughs> uh it was unintentional
0: uh but it was fantastic i i'm all all disrespect truly all disrespect meant to nebraska <laughs> to, to all the
1: corn huskers out there stick to your day job of corn husking cuz uh, you're no good at football or basketball but you know it it is it's
0: very clear like anyone anyone with a, a an iota of foresight about where this is all going is seeing you know the the high powered college football landscape trending towards a, a a a structure with two axes axes of power a mega big 10 and a mega sec yeah. and it's i don't know man it sucks I, and and it sucks in much the same way that the european super league proposal sucked because it's it's built around the idea that you know we are we're the biggest dogs in this game and so let's only play each other let's hoard all the money let's hoard all of the tv contracts let's hoard all the power in this sport and everyone else can just fend for themselves um but like it's it's happening and uh, people, uh, you know, not not to cross streams with other uh, with other defector posts, but somebody, uh, and I forget now whether it was Dave McKenna or Albert Bernico or maybe even Ratto, uh, wrote a, a a post asking, "Like, what would it take? Who has the power to remove Daniel Snyder as the owner?" of the uh, Washington commandos. And the the obvious conclusion is it's the fans. They are the only ones who could do this. And they could do it only by uh, mounting a massive organized pressure campaign and sort of general boycott in the same way that fans of English Premier League clubs did to tank the european super league and let's be honest there's no desire there is no follow-through on the part of american football fans there are, yeah. or, or well i guess we don't we can't say there isn't any because there hasn't really been a chance for there to be yet but like there's not going to be any follow-through to actually stop this so anyone who is talking about this being a bad thing like that's like we're we're shouting into the void it's it's an inexorable march toward toward two major college football conferences with like 30 teams each
1: yeah and and i i don't need to qualify in saying that i'm not i'm not an economist or or a historian in that capacity an economic historian so having qualified arguably
0: wouldn't qualify you any better to opine on this anyway
1: but, but let me say this that I think that this is a lot this there in in a lot of ways this is very similar to the late stage of capitalism we were in um at some point um when what's his name Friedman wrote that like a a corporation's uh, they answer to to shareholders that's that's what they do ah, there's yes, been kind of this yeah there's been this uh, recognition by by the the executives of, of college football, really the um, athletic directors, that who they are answering to is I mean it's still the booster sum, but it's it's where the money is coming from. It is the TV executives. It's not it's not yeah. people buying merchandise and tickets so much anymore. And the other thing too is they they're not answering to to those customers anymore. And and they become kind of uh they they pull away from from their labor in a lot of ways and i think that that is is uh there's been a catalyst in them fortunately some of them a very small subset of of these laborers these quote unquote student athletes getting paid and i feel like you know so now this labor they think oh you know they're they're getting their scholarships and maybe they're getting a little bit more but really what's happening is they're going to start making more money because they're answering to others um these tv executives more and more and more these this these ad ad dollars that come via tv and so the what the student athletes get is just going to become stagnant like there's this bump right now as as you know we saw through the 50s probably through the 70s in america and in other places in the world but then it's just going to go flat because because there you know things are going to be contracted and everything else and meanwhile those athletic directors and and conference executives they're going to have pushed others out and they're just going to be standing on these heaps of money. Like we've seen this before. We know how it works. The people who get screwed are laborers. And until there is this this uh, you know uprising by by the customers and being like, I don't like the way that corporation does business. They're not going to do anything. But uh, you know they're going to get the same product. Right. Yeah. It's it's not
0: that uprising isn't coming because you know now now you might plausibly say get more regular Alabama Clemson football games.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I just heard Ben Mathis, Lily, you know, quote some, uh, Twitter, some, some Twitter message. Uh, and he, he said, look, we just got a uh, middle Tennessee state replaced with UCLA in our schedule. Why would I not want that as a fan? And yeah. I can't deny that.
0: No, I, I, I can't either, but that's, you know, I mean, there's something that feels profoundly selfish about it. Um, and and and, you know rado made the point in his in his post that you know in in effect what this is going to do is that in football it's going to shrink the size of division one from 130 and and honestly it wasn't really 130 you know it was Mm -hmm. the power five so it was more like 75 or 80 it's going to shrink it down to probably 48 for the time being it'll probably wind up getting up closer to 60 eventually but like it is you know it's just it's making an even more an even starker sort of class stratification in in college football in a way that you know if you aren't already a fan of of one of the elite programs in the country, like you are, there is an aspect of this that is going to be worse for you. Like I was, you know, we're, we're UVA sport enthusiasts. And I, I was talking to a bunch of, you know, a big group text of people about this earlier today, you know, because someone made a claim on the tweet machine that, uva and clemson and uh carolina and florida state were agitating to get out of the acc and join the sec and i I don't know if that's true or not personally we, we can talk about this later if you want to i have a different prediction for what i think is ultimately going to happen with virginia in this whole process but like i don't know man i I grew up watching SEC football. Virginia's not ready for that shit. I don't think no. anybody really wants uh you know I think anybody really wants to go into a new conference and get dog walked fifty-six nothing by Alabama every year.
1: That no, sounds awful. Uh, no, but they'll do it they'll do it for for the money. And that's right. I mean, that's that's the issue here. And the other thing I was gonna say is imagine if you went to the car dealership and all the cars were priced the same. But they price the car at the same price as the most expensive car in the lot. And I feel like that's what's happening here is because not only the – I understand the revenues are very high for football on on average traditionally. But the infrastructure and the cost of putting together a football team, hosting the event – um, going places and everything else. I mean, there are 100 people on a football team and so many coaches in the stadia are are humongous in, in all and in the concessions you have to have and everything else. But now the cross country and the swimming and the tennis and the quote unquote non-revenue sports are less revenue sports traditionally. I mean, even the baseball teams, they're going to have to kind of work themselves around the infrastructure costs, and the cost of the most expensive vehicle. And so, like, you know, um, SEC baseball is is a thing that people are nuts about baseball there. Yeah, I, totally. Know, I get that. I get that. But now, you know, you're, I mean, I don't know. I guess Texas is a pretty good baseball team. I know Oklahoma has a very good softball team. But when they're going to be traveling to Florida now all the time, it's like, these are These really a a lot of these folks and some of the other non-revenues, the soccer, for instance. A lot of these people are there because they're students. To say nothing of the fact that they're not going to be able to experience being at that school because to go along with their other commitments of of just practice and everything else, they got to travel two thousand seven hundred and eighty-four miles all the time. Yeah, it's.
0: I will admit that on a college baseball front, like taking a conference that already has Florida and LSU and Ole Miss and uh, Ole Miss, the, the now reigning champions uh, and Vanderbilt and adding Texas uh, to that mix. Like, I don't know. There's, that's kind of cool. But, but it's, it, (sighs) it's not ever going to change the fact that these you know these other sports all play at best you know second fiddle to uh to to football and and to a slightly lesser extent men's basketball but like you know i i i wish i wish there were other ways to approach it and that's why what i would really want so when i was having this conversation earlier today I thought through in my head, like, from a, from a sporting perspective, from a fandom and appreciation perspective, like, what would I actually want to see a school like Virginia do? And I came pretty quickly to the idea that what I'd like is for us and the Tobacco Road schools And say, Kansas, who's been getting the dog shit beaten out of them in football every week for the last, I don't know, entirety of our lives, uh, to just sort of say, you know what, we don't have to participate in this and form, you know, a Super Hooper conference that... Acts in a lot of ways, kind of like the old Big East, mm-hmm. uh, where where football is like a secondary concern, uh, and like obviously that is not ever going to happen um, because of the money, and because that would be pretty unpalatable to the boosters and to the university administrators that are are gonna, you know, are, are gonna sell are going to sell visions of what that money could do for the school as a whole. Um, But like there would be something that's kind of cool about that. Now there, there is a point that, uh, that Rado made in his, in his post that I sort of agree with and sort of disagree with which is that this is the final straw, and we can now fully dispense with the notion that these uh, that these programs are in any way like schools mm-hmm. uh, or, or you know, that even at least that the football programs are in any meaningful way associated with schools. I think that is true about the SEC. Sorry Vanderbilt, uh, and has been for a long time. It's not true about the Big Ten, uh, who are still extremely, extremely invested in selling themselves as an academic organization. A bit laughable when you consider that they let Nebraska in, but every single other member of the Big Ten, including now new entrants, USC and UCLA, are part of this elite accreditation group called the AAU, the Association of American Universities. And, you know, they have a whole separate brand that they tout called the Big Ten Academic Alliance. It used to have a a different name, whatever, but, you know, they talk about it so much. And like when I was uh, trying to make my grad school decisions and I went to visit maryland and talked to faculty and i talked to program administration in the journalism school Like they talked ad nauseum about the academic opportunities that maryland moving to the big 10 had afforded them that is why what i believe is ultimately going to happen is not that uva will break off into the sec with clemson and florida state uh, but that we will find ourselves in the Big Ten, along with Stanford and Cal, and uh, you know, at some point after they finish resisting for a few years, Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think the allure is going to be there. That I, I think that there will be an allure for a certain kind of school in joining the big 10 uh that is not there in the sec and that you can still maintain that facade of Mm -hmm. this having to you know having to do with anything other than you know pure football mercenary blood money Uh, i
1: with your uh athletic alliance um Mention, I, I thought of you know the, the most famous student athlete of recent memory uh, from from the Big Ten, which is of course uh, Cardell Jones. Uh, <laughs> yes, we ain't come here to play school. Um, he did graduate from Ohio State. I, I do want to give him credit as a so. but yeah, I, I mean, I just can't think with this and and you know never have expectations of of big executive bodies. You know of you know this in many ways. This is this is a, a A federal system and that it's it's federated. Um, And so you think, oh, the NCAA will do something, they will register an opinion, but they do not because, you know, excuse me for using this term given recent many, many recent things, but these conferences are more or less states. And the current constitution of the NCAA gives way too much to the states. They get way too many rights. And the NCAA doesn't care because they just want to get March Madness done because that's where they make all their money. The, this is specifically the case with football. This is not the case with other sports.
0: No. The NCAA and exerts almost no oversight at all over football. And they uh, are not yeah. – and. Even better, the NCAA is not actually the organization that puts on the football championship. The college football playoff is a whole separate, yes, group.
1: And so, like, it, it's. I and mean, I, but but it's, con- because football has that pull, then they make the conferences move. And so, I think in an ideal world, you say, okay, we'll we'll play football in the SEC. I mean, this is this is what Notre Dame does, and no one seems to care. But but Notre Dame does what it wants to do and i feel like if, if preserving the acc as a basketball con- i don't i don't care if if uva goes and gets beaten beaten 60 nothing by vanderbilt in football that could happen but like mm. there's there's no have you seen <laughs> vanderbilt football i've seen uva football <laughs> that's all i need to oh, see oh damn um, it you're right uh, but the point is is like i d- like football it can do what it wants. That's probably the best case scenario is like football can do this and they can do that. But the conferences that you're in for football should not have that, um, you know, that effect because they're they're essentially not an NCAA competition. And like having all your NCAA sports, if that's the term we would use, be recognized in that other way, I think that's fine. Now, the heads would spin and everything else, but like just chop off football.
0: I mean yeah, but it's it's not going to happen as long as it's still associated with the laundry. You know what I mean? Like that's the the problem is that even just just because you know that that is how this system of college athletics works, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's especially easy for you to like undo the trailer hitch and separate USC football from USC water polo. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, in your mind, um, much less to have an even more complicated web of affiliations. Like, Notre Notre Dame is an interesting one because they're a a football independent. They are a Big Ten hockey program, uh, and they are in the ACC for all their other sports right now.
1: Yeah. uh, Also, I'm glad you mentioned water polo because that that is like you, uh, you know, you're you're at a your high school is in like 3a in a state and then all of a sudden like they build a new high school and you're still really good at a certain sport but because of the new high school your your uh, your school gets smaller it becomes 2a so all of a sudden you're that water polo program you're the football program at this high school and you're playing as people who who don't even know their head from all in the ground as far as water polo goes and and so the usc water polo players like you're like i guess we're gonna play ucla and nothing else is going to be like up to snuff not to well i resmirch. guess you
0: still have a lot of you you have a lot of non-conference water
1: polo matches but like I, that's and that's this you're is gonna want to do it if you're gonna be traveling to columbia if you're gonna be traveling to rutgers well, you're gonna have no, to do rutgers, that isn't,
0: rutgers isn't gonna start doing water polo that's that's you know the frustrating thing and and the thing that miss i, I think i'll miss a little bit about you know the the increasing de-regionalization of these conferences. Mm-hmm. Cuz these conferences like they all had you know as of 20 years ago they were all pretty well regionally defined. You know, mm-hmm. the Pac-12 was truly it was like the west coast. It wasn't even Utah. It was like Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington. Um the Big 12 was the sort of near southwest it was oklahoma it was kansas It was texas it was colorado big 10 was the upper midwest and the rust belt the big east was you know the northern eastern seaboard the acc was the southern eastern seaboard and the sec was the you know more or less the gulf coast yeah um and, and you know part of the reason for that was that there was some at least general kind of geographical affinity between the schools. But that also is like, there's some regional stuff to sports. Like there are not a lot of East coast water polo programs. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of West coast lacrosse. Um,
1: You know, and, and you know, for the better, I should say that if, if Rutgers does not have water polo, and and now water polo is brought in. I mean, how is Title IX going to impact this? We could have we could have water polo everywhere. We could have lacrosse everywhere. It, that could be really really great. But it's just it's such a you know it does take away. I'm not like a traditionalist or, or a romantic in the, in that way at all. But like it it's going to be very hard. And ultimately, what a dozen people made this decision based off of espn and fox dollars
0: i mean yeah yeah pretty much it's you know it's more than a dozen it's a group of probably it's probably 20 or so athletic directors that really have the juice within their respective conferences kind of moving all these pieces plus your conference commissioners and high level execs at ESPN and Fox sports. Like it's not a big group. I can tell you that it's, it's a a small, it's a small group of people making decisions that are going to have ripple effects for, uh, you know, I mean, 10, more than 10,000 people just in football, you know, and that's just yeah. the players. If there's 130 division one football programs, college football rosters got about a hundred people on it. So we're talking about between ten and fifteen thousand student athletes or or, you know or just athletes. Let's let's not let's not put you know let's not use their let's not use the NCAA's uh condescending verbiage. Um you know, it's it's nearly fifteen thousand athletes just in football that are gonna get affected by this. It's Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, more athletes in other sports. It's, you know, it's their families. Uh, you know, uh, I've heard, of, uh, listened to a couple different podcast episodes, of, of you know, that have discussed this in some form or fashion. And, and I've heard a lot of times, like it's going to be really hard for the families of some of these like USC players to go to see their kids play in a game in Purdue.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the people that are like I've been to and my vice child's versa. every every field hockey game they've ever played. Well it's over. field hockey's not getting a plane. Or if field hockey's getting a plane, they're not gonna they're not gonna you know, they're not gonna pay for, for the uh families to go. I mean it's yeah. just I mean, for, for the benefit of sports like that, for for tennis, you know, golf, even stuff like that, um, I do hope that they employ a model that is more You know, maybe regional stuff plus mid-season type tournaments and whatever. I mean, it's going to be so different. But like, they're they're not going to be able to experience being on their campus and having a connection to it. And I I know some people go to school because it's like I want to go to the school, but the only way I can go is a scholarship through this sport. And they should get to have both because they are old. You know, if you believe that compensate that that scholarship is compensation fine then let them be on on their their campus and you're not shuttling them off to you know new jersey and and idaho and and wherever else no nothing's in idaho i'm, I'm sorry illinois and indiana
0: also if you believe that scholarship is appropriate compensation find me and uh, meet me in temecula
1: meet i will i temecula. will fight you
0: yeah me, yeah meet me in temecula i'm coming from virginia so yeah, uh, all right. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, it feels like we've been banging our head against the wall for half an hour with no, no good answer. Nothing, nothing good is really going to come of this. But speaking not, of what
1: we celebrate uh, on the Fourth of July,
0: n- not all hope is lost because it's it is important when when it feels the darkest to reach out and seize moments of joy. And one of my premier moments of joy every week is Pierce's sorry.
1: Well, I think you will appreciate this one because it has to do with the 4th of July and, and maybe celebrating things that at once we did not. Um, so I have this, this uh, memory of being at actually Max's one of Max's apartments when he was moving out, and I, I believe you were you were there, or maybe even it was before he moved out. But someone had a large can of soup that they were like, "I need to bring this with me," and it was a denty Moore can of soup, and it was a can of Brunswick stew. And I was like, "Why the <laughs> hell would you move this? What is this gross stuff?" And I was assured by multiple people there, I think you included, "No, no, Brunswick stew is great." And my thought was. Not out of a can. And I had never heard of Brunswick stew before, which is which is a problem. And it's all the more a problem. And I, I apologize to the defenders of Brunswick stew because I was wrong. And I know this because on Monday, uh, as you know, somewhere between 10 and 11 a.m., because uh, Manuel's Tavern here in Atlanta decided that they were not only going to have be open on Monday uh, early, uh, starting at 9.30, uh, not only were they going to, to serve their brunch-type stuff on a Monday, but also they had prepared barbecue. And one thing Ooh. they offered and one thing they said is, we also have Brunswick stew available, which you should go after. So I did it, and I was wrong about Brunswick stew. I,
0: I love it. Brunswick stew is great. Yeah, but, it was, But your your instincts here's the thing you were not wrong
1: you were correct not out of a can not out of a can it's a very it's a very complex uh soup it's there's, got there's a, a, lot, a lot happening lo- there's there's a lot you can't i mean just you, i mean you can get chunky soup like stew out of a can uh, i mean maybe maybe that kind is okay but or not okay, sure. but serviceable But this is this is a this is a complex thing. I mean, you wouldn't you you can get cassoulet out of a can, but it's probably not good very often. Uh, Can can you even get cassoulet? Uh, Yeah, there's a there's an episode of a a Matty Matheson program where he where he gets cassoulet out of a can, but it's in Canada. Canada, Canada Different doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's got it's got can in the name. Of course, they're going to do it right. Oh boy.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's see. I, I'm struggling a little bit for a, a big idea from pop culture this week. Um, uh, what What have I just What have I just consumed? Um, there's an album called uh, "Parallel Timeline" by a band called Slothrust that I I really Slothrust. been enjoying. Uh, good uh, guitar rock. Uh, female singers, very much my you know my musical alley over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a a song called "The Next Curse" uh that includes uh, an appearance by a, a woman named Lizzie Hale, who is like a a rock god guitarist.
1: Um, not, the name sounds familiar.
0: Lizzie with no with I, no I L Z Z Y. Um, oh, that's cool. So yeah, so I, I'm I'm really I've been digging on the the slothrest album. So uh, go go check it out. Maybe give it a give it a spin. Buy it on Bandcamp, something like that. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll close the show as we do with a Rolling Stone rock trivia question. And uh, on on the subject of uh, loud guitar rock, Pierce, which. 90s rock band did a fairly famous cover of bruce springsteen's the ghost of tom jode was it a system of a down b pearl jam c stone temple pilots or d rage against the machine
1: those are all bands that i know exist but have not listened to any ever um, I'm gonna say Stone Temple Pilots just for fun. You would be incorrect. Oh man.
0: It was Rage Against the Machine. They did oh, okay. uh they did a, a whole album uh of covers called Renegades. Uh they did like a cover of Maggie's Farm by Bob Dylan. It's called Renegades because they did uh Renegades of Funk, which is an Africa Bambata song, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, I this was very much in my wheelhouse i've i've listened to the (laughs) ghost of tom joad cover a few times uh but don't worry even though uh you have been alone the last two weeks and have gotten both questions wrong you are still clinging to a slim lead in our rolling stone rock trivia competition
1: that's you know sometimes your greatest ability is availability (laughs) and uh, i i definitely understand that even as the denominator grows and the numerator doesn't
0: yeah you're you say your greatest skill available your greatest ability is availability and you're showing up and you're bricking shots yeah <laughs> it's okay but still getting paid there
1: Actually, we go very-
0: that's see isn't that the dream
1: yeah
0: all right uh that's the end of the show you can find us at our home on the web com. Uh, or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. Uh, if you do that, tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean.
1: I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening. Bye.